Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Rewrite the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. This is a solo episode and the theme and the topic overall that we're going to be covering in this episode is the winter solstice. But we'll be looking at it through a few lenses. We're going to look at it through what about this dark time of year and feminine power and divine feminine and dark goddesses. So we're going to touch on that. Then we're going to bring that into a conversation about this time of year as transition and the power that's in this time of year. And some of them throughout will be in typical Rewrite the Mother Code style. We'll be looking to debunk myths. We'll be looking at ways that culturally we've been taught to view this time of year or this season and and the winter solstice particularly. And we'll explore that together. And then we'll look, of course, well, throughout, please look personally for what this means to you and you know, we'll sum up by, you know, making sure that we have some ways to do that. So before I go into where we're going to start, uh, which is around this feminine power and and embracing it in that way, I want to make sure just in case you don't hear the section on transition and listen to the whole episode to the end, because I'll say more about this further, but I want to let you, my wonderful community, my listeners that I'm so, so grateful for, for the whole time I've had my podcast, particularly this year, that I'm going to be taking a short pause. And as I said, details about what that's about later, but you can expect to see me back in the spring, taking the first quarter off, the winter quarter, I guess, and I can't say off, there'll be things happening. Things will still be happening, just won't have any episodes that are showing up during that period of time. Okay, so I'm going to miss you. All right, anyway, I'm back to our topic at hand, the winter solstice. All right, I think everyone who's listening knows typically what that is, right? Generally, it's December 21st. This year, it is December 21st, and it's that point in our year, in the season, in the cycle where it's the longest 24 hours of darkness, right? So the least amount of daylight and the most amount of darkness, the way the earth is tilted and whatnot. So starting at the summer solstice on June 21st-ish, usually, to this day, every day has been getting a little bit less light, having more time to darkness. So it's subtle, right? We don't really notice it until all of a sudden 
well, here and especially with daylight savings time, it's dark here in Chicago where I'm recording at like 4, 4.30, something like that. So we're very aware, you know, of, of this time that's approaching. And I just want to name, I think one of the most common misconceptions of this time is, I don't know, it's not a misconception as much this feeling that we have when we talk about it or when I hear and how I used to definitely think about it and talk about it like, oh, gosh, I can't wait because every day it's going to get lighter after December 21st and kind of held it with fear and drudgery. And so in that, what I want to kind of rewrite the mother codis us around is, you know, that's one of those culturally accepted aspects of the season, which I would like us to think differently about. And instead of paying homage to the light and the light is the happy time, the safe time, the good time. And we got to just get through this dark time and, and really see it as a dangerous kind of scary time is that the, in our yin yang, yin yan, I'm learning how to pronounce that correctly. Yin yan aspect of the balance of, of light and dark, the dark in the yin yan symbol is the feminine right and the light is the masculine so i got a big education on this and have been really working ever since i read clark strand's book about this time last year waking up to the dark the black madonna's gospel for an age of extinction and collapse so that does actually sound very ominous but you know he talks in the book about how you know darkness in our time is synonymous with ignorance and evil where you know we should admonish it but that's exactly that what's been done to the feminine right and that's what's been done to the goddess to aspects so let's see the dark as bad and something we should avoid and all these ways i've been peeling away and uncovering you know ways in which culture has subverted yeah i guess that would be a good word um subjugated subverted i think both of those work the feminine femininity women um all along there right so and he contends you know, th through citing other people's research and and looking at this historically, that this out of balance time, I mean, patriarchy and some of what that's brought on to the feminine has been going on for thousands of years. But he pays particular attention to the time when the light bulb was invented. And now all of a sudden we could have more light and we could have it 24 seven, you know, whereas historically, when darkness came, yes, we had candles and, you know, we did have fire and ways to keep some light, but there, it was still dim light, right? There was nothing like an LED light bulb or fluorescent lighting that, woo, you know, you can think it's daylight 24 seven and how that has made our culture really contributed to our, our doing, our productivity culture, even daylight savings time. If you think about it, like let's have more light so we can do more and produce more and what we gave up in that exchange was this time of rest, this time of renewal, this time of going inside, the vision time, the dreamy time, the time where the edges are less crisp and clear. But we suddenly, not suddenly, it didn't happen overnight, but it happened pretty quickly at the dawning of, of the industrial age. And, you know, when we could really start overvaluing 
And I, I think uh, he says just such great things about it. I, I would love to even go into it more. I think I'm, I think I'll have him on as a guest, just himself, so we can dive deeper into, you know, the the consequences that have come about to society, ecology, you know, and everything in that regard. So that's that's a biggie that we want to debunk. And I've really been working on that. And my my fear and welcoming, you know, some of the the dark times, and I'm just talking literally darkness, you know, in nature, not my internal darkness and my internal uh, space where that resides as well. But even that we're taught to fear. So we'll we'll get into a little bit more of that because I think us realizing just how much we take for granted about what things mean, right? And and yeah, and I, I do think when we look historically at some cultures, cultures that were very attuned to nature, some of it, I'm not saying there wasn't fear because, you know, they they relied on the changing of the season, you know, and they they worshiped the sun as as the aspect that would help things grow. So there was some fear, would it return? You know, would the sun return every year? So there were rituals and beliefs that, you know, we need to really pay homage, you know, to both the sun god. And I think oftentimes sun was depicted as a god and the darkness or even the moon is depicted as the light, right? So let's take a look now as we've debunked that at go a little deeper looking at the feminine power that resides in the winter solstice. And so feminine power being, you know, the particularly the qualities of intuition, receptivity, nurturing, vision, you know, taking things, taking things in. Um, and this nurturing aspect, I think is think is I think of as more that womb nurturing, right? Because a womb is dark. You know, that that fetus and infant is in their incomplete darkness. So when we look at, you know, the power of that and the power of creativity that takes place in the space of a womb, and then we extend that, you know, as a metaphor, you know, of the womb, that creation, ideation, you know, thoughts, the the bringing forth and the the building of life. Well, and also I'll add to that the cocoon, right? When, when within a cocoon, that caterpillar has completely decomposed has turned to a gelatinous mass, you know, in this darkness, but also the protectiveness of it and the protectiveness of that dark space. So it's, you know, that nurturing that happens in there, but also that protection. And I think I, you know, and I have seen where many cultures look at the darkness and this dark time more as feminine energy right? and feminine energy because because of this creation aspect, I think. And all of them, ones that I've read or I'm, you know, somewhat familiar with, there's always this connection to life and death, the cycles of of life. You know, spring being more of birth and spring into summer is the birth and the the, the new life. And then this is the regeneration, the death. And there are particular goddesses, and sometimes they're called dark goddesses that symbolize particularly death and the symbol of mystery and transformation because the dark is more mysterious. And that's a good thing, right? That's not something we need to fear. 
That's a beautiful thing and a place that we don't have to see everything so clearly and so in our face, but we can, you know, just make out shadows and and see things in a different way and not be as distracted by everything that's going on around us. And I really want to underline this time of introspection, you know, that that I think these goddesses and this time invite us in, you know, invite us into the underworld. And no, that doesn't have to just mean looking at things that we don't like, right? Because that's just perpetuating the myth that the dark is about looking at the bad things and the things we need to change and the things. Sure, that can be part of it, but that can be part of any time of year where we're looking at cycles. We want to always be looking at what's working, what's not working, you know, where do we need support? These cycles happen within the cycles, but that this time, you know, what are our inner realms? You know, just taking that, when I think about winter and particularly in the North where there's, you experience snow and everything, there are no leaves on the trees, things look dead. I mean, there's a lot of things that just look like, you know, oh my gosh, that that tree, that plant, they're dead, but they haven't. They've just taken all that energy and they've moved it from being out there and out in the open, like down in and down into the roots and into the ground, you know, where they can regenerate, where they can take a rest if we want to look at it that way. And I think about nature and hibernation, right? That time of going in and being and resting. But those trees aren't dead. They're very much alive. They're just in a different state and a different stage, right? So I, I love thinking about ourselves. And I always want us to be thinking about ourselves and these symbols and these ways and the wisdom we can get from these natural cycles. You know, if we look more closely at, you know, some of the dark goddesses, I just want to name for a, a, a few minutes here that these dark goddesses, you know, they're often linked to the unconscious, right? Symbolizing, as I said, mysteries and the hidden aspects of existence. She, if we look at her, you know, if we look through this framework of of a goddess figure or a divine feminine figure, she's profound and sometimes challenging aspects of life that in, invite us to explore and under, understand our inner worlds more, right? We're not so out there, like I said, in life. You know, and one of the themes is, I, I think, a central theme particularly for the dark goddess is the cycle of life, death, and rebirth, but particularly looking at that death aspect. Um, but we can look that as a time, you know, because the leaves have shed, shed old patterns. We've, that leaf has decided to leave the tree. It's on the ground. It's getting refertilized. It's getting used. There's no waste to all those leaves that, that lived on that tree. And we think about our year that way. There was no waste to anything that grew or happened or sprouted this year. And then, you know, we have this opportunity to bring them in, see what was what nourishment we can take from them, the energy that's still there, and repurpose it, repurpose it into the soil, repurpose it down into the earth. So it's gonna, you know, continue this just really beautiful cycle. And there can be a duality when we're looking at integrating the dark goddess, because she she embraces both light and shadow aspects, right? She encourages us to integrate all facets of ourselves, including the parts that may be challenging or uncomfortable, distinguished from bad or evil, just challenging or uncomfortable, and really 
keep us in this more holistic understanding of ourselves and really emphasizing this importance of balance and opposing forces. A little interruption here. I When I was getting ready to know that I was going to sit down and do this podcast, I think about things like, what am I wearing? How does it relate to the podcast? Those are things that just bring me joy and I like to do. And um, if you have, I think you may or may not see this on YouTube or in a videogram, but I particularly wore a blouse that is black and white and in different phases. And I, I won't give it in full detail, but you know, these are also ways that we can be in the season just thinking about these things and how we are and how we're about them just to give us cues, right? So I was like, I'm going to be talking about this. Let's uh, give myself a cue, right? Another aspect of the dark goddess is she's often associated with wisdom. And I think that we don't necessarily think about with in the darkness that wisdom, you know, comes from these deep introspections and from self-discovery. And the feminine empowerment is huge, right? It goes beyond our traditional notions of nurturing and maternal qualities because she's embracing, this dark goddess really embraces strength and resilience and uh, this transformative potential. She's represented culturally in so many different ways and in so many ancient cultures that you know you see some of some of the ways she's represented and there's definitely there are definitely similarities when you see but I'll name a couple of them just so we can have them in our space here as we're as we're sharing and talking about them one of them is kali and in in the hinduism in hinduism you know she's depicted as this very powerful and fearsome goddess and that's i think it's interesting with her because she isn't just considered a goddess of destruction. And even though, you know, you'll see what you, but I think it just stands out because you see her in some depictions dripping of blood, you know, holding heads and, you know, it, it can look really gruesome, but that's where our mind will go because it's more uncomfortable. It's more sensational because she also has aspects of her that, that really symbolize her, uh, nurturing and her compassionate energy and, you know, those aspects. So I always want to draw attention to she isn't, she holds both poles like really beautifully, but particularly holding a space of, of fierceness and transformative aspects. And I think holding that duality of creation and destruction. And so I think she's just a really, I have worked on learning more about her uh, I have a wonderful Kali Oracle deck that I use just to learn more aspects of her and have brought her into my life in some very both nourishing and empowering from that more like, you know, stand and and don't take, she's a great one for boundary setting at this time of year. She's a great one for not, you know, taking shit. She's a great one for, nope, that doesn't work. Let's get rid of it. Let's take what's good of it. We'll use that. Get rid of that. Let's use this. And, you know, that fierceness and that clarity. And I love that as a part of mother goddess energy, right? Is that that clear protective part? Well, I really want to, I, I may just talk about a couple more, but one that I want to highlight here and bring to the forefront is Morgan. She is a Celtic goddess that I'm really just starting to get to know as I'm delving into Celtic mythology and pagan ancient aspects um, in Ireland. 
because it's very near and dear to my heart. And since I will be inhabiting space there in the coming year, in the coming years, I really want to delve in. And I, I literally signed up for a course through the Irish Pagan School because I wanted to dive in. And I didn't do so well keeping on top of it and staying on top of a course, but it's really, really good. And I will be re- revisiting it and redoing it. But she, she is definitely a powerful one. And all the times I'd been to Ireland and really didn't have awareness of her until more recently. And she is associated with war and death and fate. And she can be symbolized by the the black crow and raven that are in you know some aspects linked to death and transformation. But I'm really excited. I just want to say this because I'm sure I'll report on it once it's happened. She has a particular cave in Ireland that's like the Morrigan Cave. And I am really excited to go there at some point. We'll share about that. So I, I think we're getting the picture, right? We have Persephone in Greek mythology who lives half half of her life in the underworld and half up here on earth, really tied to the cycles of death and rebirth and considered the queen of the under underworld, symbolizing very much bringing into light the changing of the seasons. And I, I know nothing about this other than this little blurb that I'm going to, you know, share about. And I'm going to I didn't do the pronunciation, but I'll do my best. Ereshkigal is a Sumerian goddess of the underworld. Again, she's the sister of Inanna, who I had heard about before, who's also associated with death and the afterlife. She's powerful and a feared goddess because of her powerfulness in the Sumerian pantheon. Right, so death, magic, wisdom—all of these, you know, examples are, you know, in our. They're in our frameworks. They're they're in us in some way or another, depending on what culture we either grew up in or studied or with. But you know, these live in us in various and different you know various ways that whether we're conscious of them or not, right? And these interpretations and you know they do vary across cultures. So I'm not trying to lump them together, but I just also like naming a few of them so we can see some of the similarities and how these dark goddesses have emphasized transformation and the cyclical nature of life. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, Hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish, it's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go, it's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. and. 
we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings. And if you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. So speaking of transformation and transition, I'm putting those two together here is the the last bit that we'll talk about because I think this is a season and a time of year that we can really connect with it, be present to it. You know, we'll talk about at the end how we can meditate with it, create space for this this time, this important time of uh, transmission. Transmission. Oh, well, maybe that too. I think uh, it is because we're going inside and going interior. I'm going to take that as a a channeling versus a mistake because I do believe it's only when we're quiet and in some of those quiet internal in the darkness because we're in the darkness when we close our eyes right so we don't have to have the whole cycle of the earth show us like we you know we can tune into darkness anytime we want but that we're doing it with that intention for transmissions right so I think this is something that uh, is really available to us and has so much potential for us at this time of year that can get kind of swept up just in the in the doing of the season, right? And it's it's not an accident that Christmas in the Christian culture got put, you know, two or three days after the equinox so that with the the overt intention to overpower the traditions and the the reverence for the winter solstice and have it being taken over by which does not line up at all traditionally with any records any actual archaeology and history of Jesus's birth that was just strictly strategic PR move on uh, the church to overshadow right so that's the kind of overshadowing we don't want to we do, but we want to know about it, right? So that we can return, reawaken this season in other ways. Because I also really do like beautiful things about, you know, other other ways that we celebrate at this season with light, you know, with joy, with 
you know, the abundance of the time and in Hanukkah, the season of, of the lights and the Hanukkah candles. So, but this is, you know, the time of the darkest, longest night, right? So if we look at the metaphorical meaning of this longest night as a time of darkness and stillness, we want to consider it also the this time of transformation. How is it that we have come to know this time as an important, because, you know, I'm not saying it's any more important of a transition time than, than other equinoxes or solstices, but it has its own power. And I think we can get, we can lose touch with what's available to us during this time of transition where we can pause, right? As we, I've been saying this, I just want to keep underlining, pausing for introspection, allowing us to evaluate our personal journeys and not from a, a, a rigid, you know, really doing spaces. I want to think of this in the seasonal time of more of a dreamy time. Because we've taken stock, we've done a harvest, we've you know, and if we haven't done it, we can still do it this this time. But if we're following the seasons, we'll, we will have harvested some of our lessons already. You know, we'll have done some of that work, looking at some celebrations, what we took in to harvest, and also what some of the lessons were. What are the things that, wow, now that this time's gone by and I look back, geez, I didn't do some of these things, or I overdid some of these things. And I started out on really good on a really good track, you know, for myself. And then you know, lost sight for me, if I just share a little bit of my own journey of this year, as I look at it, you know, I've been taking stock of this year and it's so much to celebrate between the, you know, the very start of this year, the true beginning of my business, Rewrite the Mother Code. And as I've shared, the the umbrella name of the business is Kali Mar, bringing together the divine aspects of Kali and Mary and really wanting to have those as aspects. And then a whole sense of freedom for myself through this year. And I've really been working to celebrate that freedom and celebrate this ability to make mistakes, to make decisions, to um, play and be in a space of all the possibilities that are that are there for me. And so many good things that came that now, you know, as I reflect and look at it this year and some things that I didn't do well. You know, I, I I sort of semi-chose, but I didn't really make it an overt conscious decision that this was, you know, wasn't a year I was going to focus on a, a really significant revenue goal and income goal, just being fully transparent. It was about keeping things going and, uh, but not putting the focus there, doing a lot of focus on marketing, find, working on the start of my book and the podcast, you know, none of which are directly income generating, but they're things that lead to income. So getting some of those foundations more clear and set has been the work of this year. Invited in and worked with various members of different teams this year and really sorting like what really great people, but what works and who do I work best with? Who gets it? Who's in in this, you know, with with me? And, you know, a particular note is my director of operations, uh, Ashley, who, if you have anything to do with the mother code, you'll have contact with her and just what a gift that's been. And to have a partner in the business with me is just, just been delightful. 
And then, you know, there's been some accounting done. It's like, whoa, okay, like here, the, the truth and the reality, reality of numbers is a beautiful thing. I like to avoid it sometimes, but it's it, it really is also beautiful. So as I look to this year, what I'm going to be leaning into, dreaming into uh, during this season, and then really work to make this manifest in my year ahead is what are my metrics for success, right? I mean, it's so easy to go to like, income is the only one. And yes, it's important. And I'm not going to diminish it. But I want to think more broadly. And and what I'm playing with right now as metrics for success for myself are what am I doing in my work, in my life that facilitates freedom? What gives me the space to be a visionary leader and start living into that? You know, having the support I need to handle, you know, a lot of back-end stuff and particularly getting that, and that's why I love that I brought up Ashley, like, you know, having someone who isn't just getting a job done, who's really like in there with me and and honors and supports the work in such a beautiful way. So, you know, what is, what's happening in my purview that facilitates freedom? And then what helps, what's facilitating meaning and contribution? So did I meaningfully, and how will I in this, in this coming year, facilitate meaning and contribution in the work that I did? And I felt that like, hands down in so many arenas. And I would call this past year the year of the retreat because having two retreats at the two equinoxes really let me see and live into like what makes my heart sing and where do I want to facilitate meaning and contribution and how can I grow that aspect and bring more of what's in those retreats out into the world, right? And then thirdly, you know, the a value of being a big girl business owner, right? And evolve into this season of marrying, you know, the first two and and I don't think they're distinct and and just now really integrate being financially prudent with these other decisions. I'm really excited about for this year. So I'm not going to do a lot with that in this season, but just having those thoughts and in my mind that my dreams can inform me. My meditations, you know, I will be actually in Ireland for the winter solstice. So I'm super excited about that. I won't be near Newgrange, and I'll just say a little bit about that. And I, I'm going to start putting my name in the lottery. So Newgrange is this really huge burial complex, and it has been built, and I believe it's over 3,000 years old. I'm pretty sure about that, um, but I'll have to fact check myself on that one. We're not going to be in that area, but that is a place where in Ireland, the old way is is you know, reimagined in some of the paganism of it, but even just the honoring of the fact that something, this ginormous was built and it was built such that over the course of three days of the winter solstice, if the sun is out, which is very dubious in Ireland, but when the sun actually shines, it shines down this long corridor and illuminates an area um, in the burial cairn. It's just something that, oh my gosh, I would love to be blessed to have the actual experience of, but people still gather around and there's festivals and festivities, you know, in the area. But it turns out only 12 people can fit in this space where the the sun does shine in and it's a lottery. And I think they said last I saw they they get twenty to thirty thousand or more requests, you know, lottery people submitting for the lottery of it. So your chances are pretty slim um, to get it. But hey, I I believe 
that if it's right, it'll happen. And uh, that would be just such a blessing. So I'm going to start putting my name in every year for that, uh, that potentiality. But I think it's so beautiful because, and I'll start wrapping up here, because if we think about, you know, this time of year and it, it is, it isn't a, just about the absence of light. It is the two of them and how they interplay. And sometimes of parts of the year, we're going to really focus on the darkness and this time to to just be and be still and reflect and and turn inward and dream and vision and foster inner reflection and self-discovery. And then, you know, come six months from now in the winters and the summer solstice, you know, we'll be out there, we'll be bright, we'll be playing, we'll be um, growing and we'll be in the midst of it, you know, in the midst of what we've planted and, and seen. So it's exciting to think about that. So bringing the light and dark together at this time, I think is also also really beautiful. So how do you summarize all that? Well, a couple of things that I, I want to invite us to, right? I don't know how many times I've said, reflect, vision, dream, go inside, look at our unconscious, let like some of the unconscious material come to light. And just to name a few ways that we can do that, you know, we can do that through, if you have a practice of meditation, you know, have some intention around your meditation time to do that and maybe take some longer time. And I'm going to encourage some of the the meditation and the time be, you know, during the night and during the dark time and this time of year, you know, that could be at six o'clock. So it's not like we have to do this in the middle of the night, but maybe sometime during this time, I had an evening this week where I woke up 2.22 and was having trouble falling back to sleep. So I'm starting to see those times, not just as like, oh God, and dread and fear that I can't get back to sleep, but an invitation. Like something is waking me up. So there's time to tend to myself during this dark time. And that's another thing I got from so beautifully from Clark Strand. And I'm going to pitch him again, waking up to the dark, because I really want, I would love to talk to any of you about this new way to be with nighttime in the darkness. And because it is so quiet and there's no distractions. And I purposely don't go to my computer or don't try and get work done at that time. And my hot tub was still going. So I was able to go outside, you know, at this and what some consider to be uh, the a time in every day, every 24 hours that the veil is thin, that we can connect and reconnect and be with some of the crispness of the air the warmth of the water and just allowed myself to sit and be still in that darkness. So finding ways to do that. And then a next step, you know, take time and be aware at least that December 21st is the solstice. I think so often we just let it roll by. It's just another day. You know, there's nothing cueing us necessarily unless you kind of live in that space or in that world. So nothing's cueing us. So mark it on your calendar. Do maybe something to just acknowledge it in a way that has meaning for you. Maybe if you have an altar or set up little altars or set up a little space for it in some way just to depict and, and honor it in some way. So let it be yours. Let it you know, be a time that has and that you're intending meaning for. Keep journals around, listen for messages, listen for, you know, what might come through during this time and know and any time that we can have extra time for relaxation, extra time to be still. This is what we're going for at this time. 
And yes, I said it at the beginning. So until I return, so for me, I really will be going inside. And that, and I said I would say more about it. And that is my intention, right? Because I've had such a great time with the podcast this year and so many wonderful guests. And it's always uh, so illuminating for me. And I feel very, very blessed to be able to take that time and do that. So I want to encourage and invite you to listen to previous episodes if you're having, if you're newer to the podcast, find some that have meaning for you and know that I'm still a space there for you over the next three months. But I'm transitioning. I'm, you know, I, now that I'm in the midst, very much in the midst of book writing and very much looking at like, what, who am I? What am I? I had this year to play and now I want to get deeper into and kind of be in more of a visionary exploration of my year and giving myself some time and space for that so that when I come out, I'm really clear on certain directions of the podcast and leading up to, you know, this will be the year of writing the book, but also preparing for the launch of the book, which will take place around May of 2025. So this, you know, there'll be a lot of seeds to plant, growth to have. So taking this time for visioning. So you'll all be with me. I'm really looking forward to the space and the time to, to do that. Also, can't wait to get back on with you all. It's been a blessing and a pleasure. Blessings on this time for you. Mm, you mean so much to me. Okay. Oh, oh my gosh. Can't forget to say this. So what would be wonderful, just so you don't miss anything between now and then, is if you are not signed up for my newsletter or on my on my list where I send out, you know, not just things that are happening or advertisements for what I'm doing, but of course those are woven in there. But thoughts and and kind of travel along with me and what's going on with me during this time. I'd love to to be stay connected in that way. So please do uh, go to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. www.drgertrudelyons.com. There'll be a pop-up right away. So you can jump right to that, sign up for my list. And we always send out, and I haven't really spoken about that, but I always, my my giveaway for giving you something back for signing up for my list are my 15 myths of motherhood. So you'll get that in your inbox once you've signed up. So I'm having a hard time saying goodbye and letting go here, but blessings to you. Please feel free to reach out to me via my website, via Instagram. I'm not, I don't, think I'm going completely off everything. There'll be some things, but it'll definitely be at a slower pace for these next few months. Okay. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.